Sometimes people say to me, it seems like our country is going in the wrong direction. What can I do about it? There's not much you and I can do uh, to control what happens in Washington, D.C. There's not even much we can do uh, to control Salem. Uh, I try not to spend my energies on things over which I have little control. Uh, I focus on things I can control. I can vote. I can control myself. Uh, I can exercise uh, some influence on my family. I can try to provide good leadership for this church. I can't do everything, but I can do some things. One person can make a difference in this world. Solomon writes, As a dog returns to its vomit, so a fool repeats his folly. I try to learn from my mistakes so I don't make the same mistakes over and over again. Arnold Toynbee said, Those who refuse to learn from history are doomed to repeat it. I try to read a lot of history and learn from it. This is the third in a series of messages called How a Nation Unravels. We're trying to look at what happened to the people of Israel in the time of the judges so we can learn from them so we don't repeat their mistakes. Uh, So turn to Judges chapter 4. If you want to use our Bibles, it's on page 241. Again, the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord. Now that Ehud was dead, Ehud was one of the judges, Uh, The people followed God under his leadership, then they fell away. So the Lord sold them into the hands of Jabin, king of Canaan, who reigned in Hazor. Caesarea, the commander of his army, was based in Harosheth Hagoyim. Because he had 900 chariots fitted with iron and had cruelly oppressed the Israelites for 20 years, they cried out to God for help. So let's look at where the people of Israel are. Uh, First of all, they turned away from God. They turned away from God and turned to the false gods of Baal. Uh, Secondly, there was no right and wrong. Uh, Everyone did as they saw fit. This is one of the themes of the book of Judges. Third, they lost their freedoms. Uh, The people around them had iron chariots, so they lost their freedom to travel, and they lost their freedom to uh, speech, uh, to speak against uh, the people that were masters over them. Now, let's look at Germany under Adolf Hitler. People say, why did people, the people of Germany go along with Hitler? Why did they allow him to uh, kill so many Jews and people with physical and mental uh, handicaps and uh, people that were, had terminal illnesses who were elderly? Why? Well, they turned away from God. They privatized churches. So Hitler knew when he came into power that the Third Reich could only make it, he said he knew there would be two problems. One would be the church, the other would be parents. And so he told the church pastors and priests, you can talk about whatever you want, but don't, but leave the country to me. Don't criticize the government. And so their faiths were privatized. They could worship on their own, 
but there was no relevance with the rest of the country. So they made God irrelevant. Uh, same things happened in China today. Uh, the Chinese Communist Party does not trust Christians. They are the most independent thinkers in their country. And so most churches in China are underground. They meet secretly. They can worship God. They're free to, to do that, but they aren't allowed to say anything against the government. So the more power uh, Hitler was given, the more laws he dictated to reduce the role of the church. These changes were made under the rubric of freedom and what is best for the country. The true nature of a totalitarian state is that it is always hidden in the language of morality, progress, and freedom. There was no right and wrong. The government decided what was right. And third, in Germany, they made public education compulsory. Hitler said, you cannot educate your children at home. He knew parents would be a problem, so that he tried to come between parents and the children. And then in, in, the, in the schools, he could teach them that uh, the Jews were bad and they needed to be eliminated. And the, the physically and mentally handicapped and the terminally ill. The gas chambers were nothing but a consequence of the theory that human beings were just developed from molecules over years of time. When God died in the 19th century, man died in the 20th century. When people embraced evolutionary thinking in the 19th century, then 10 million people were killed under Adolf Hitler in the 20th century. 30 million, 30 million people lost their lives under Joseph Stalin in the gulags in Russia. And 70 million people lost their lives under Mao Zedong in China. Fourth, speaking against the government became a hate crime. They lost freedom of speech. And so many pastors spoke out against the Third Reich, but they were put in jail or put to death. And the government stepped in to strengthen a faltering economy. Again, you say, why did the people go along with Hitler? Well, after World War I, the economy in Germany was destroyed. And Hitler came along and says, I can stabilize the economy. So people thought, well, as long as the economy's strong, we don't care so much if we lose freedom of speech, freedom of travel, and freedom of elections. Hitler killed 8 million people, and 50 million people lost their lives as a result of that war. I see some of the mistakes made in Germany and made in Israel during the time of the judges happening in our country. Unless we learn from history, we're doomed to repeat it. So let's look at our country. Uh, we turned away from God. You say, well, I haven't turned away from God. I'm talking about just in general as a culture and embraced evolutionary theory. Most churches have been privatized. Now, some churches agree totally with the government. So they have no voice. Other churches have to become privatized. We just kind of worship God and keep our faith to ourselves. 
And so we become irrelevant. Two, there are no God-given moral absolutes. You say, well, I believe in moral absolutes. Again, I'm talking about our culture as a whole. Humans decide what is right and wrong. Everyone does as they see fit. Three, we've lost freedom of speech. If we speak out against what the government says, our post will be removed. So most believers just kind of keep their heads down, keep to themselves, so they don't say something that's politically incorrect. Next, some schools have become centers for indoctrination, and parents are discouraged from being involved in the education of their children. Teenager, you may sense this happening at your school. So I want to look with you, or finally, if inflation continues, we could be in danger of the government stepping in to regulate the economy. I'm not saying this is happening in our country, but this is what happened in Germany. So I want to look at with you at how you can make a difference in our country, in our world, by looking at how one person made a difference during the time of the judges in Israel. Now, Deborah, a prophet, the wife of Lapidoth, was leading Israel at the time. She held court under the palm of Deborah between Ramah and Bethel in the hill country of Ephraim. And the Israelites went up to her to have their disputes decided. Some people criticize the Bible for subjecting women to men. This may be why you've kept Christian faith at a distance. But the truth is is that no ancient document has done more for women than the Bible. And no person has done more for women than Jesus. Here in patriarchal Israel, we find Deborah leading the country. She serves as an example of Margaret Thatcher's words, former Prime Minister of Great Britain, if you want anything said, ask a man. If you want anything done, ask a woman. Women get things done. She sent for Barak, son of Abinuim from Kadesh in Naphtali, and said to him, The Lord, the God of Israel, commands you, Go take with you 10,000 men of Naphtali and Zebulun and lead them up to Mount Tabor. I will lead Sisera, the commander of Jabin's army, with his chariots and his troops to the Kishon River and give him into your hands. This tells us the battle is going to occur somewhere between central Israel and northern Israel. Barak said to her, if you go with me, I will go. But if you don't go with me, I won't go. Certainly, I will go with you, said Deborah. But because of the course you are taking, in other words, his attitude, the honor will not be yours, for the Lord will deliver Sisera into the hands of a woman. So Deborah went with Barak to Kedesh. In the tribal structure of Israel, women normally occupied a subordinate position, but here Deborah is going to lead the battle. When they told Sisera that Barak, son of Abinuim, had gone up to Mount Tabor, Sisarek summoned from Harosheth Hagoim to the Kishon River all his men and his 900 chariots fitted with iron. Uh, 
Then Deborah said to Barak, Go, this is the day the Lord has given Sisera into your hands. Has not the Lord gone ahead of you? So Barak went down Mount Tabor with 10,000 men following him. At Barak's advance, the Lord routed Sisera and all his chariots and army by the sword. And Sisera got down from his chariot and fled on foot. Because they admitted their sin, that they had turned away from God and cried out to God for help, he sent them Deborah as their leader and delivered them. Now, in chapter 5, we get a little more uh, uh, explanation of how God helped them win the victory. The earth shook, the heavens poured, the clouds poured down water. So God sent heavy rainfall. From the heavens, the stars fought from their courses. They fought against Caesarea. The river Kishon swept them away, the age-old river, the river So God sent a storm uh, that provided a deluge of water. Uh, We know from Deborah's words that she called the fight at Mount Tabor. Uh, They neutralized the, uh, the iron chariots by having the battle in the hills, in the mountains. And then when God sent the rain, all the, the roads turned into mud and then the river washed them all away. Barak pursued the chariots and army as far as Harosheth Hagoim, Hagoim, and all Caesar's troops fell by the sword. Not a man was left. Caesar, meanwhile, fled on foot to the tent of Jael, the wife of Heber the Kenite, because there was an alliance between Jabin, king of Hazor, and the family of Heber the Kenite. Uh, Jael went out to meet Caesarea and said to him, Come, my lord, come right in. Don't be afraid. So he entered her tent, and she covered him with a blanket. He assumed, because they had a treaty with uh, her tribe, that he was safe. What he didn't know is that she had a close relationship with the Israelite community. So he was entering into the tent of an enemy. I'm thirsty, he said. Please give me some water. She opened a skin of milk, gave him a drink, and covered him up. Now, in chapter 5, Deborah tells us more of what happened. He asked her for water, and she gave him milk in a bowl fit for nobles. She brought him curdled milk, in other words, yogurt. He assumed he was safe, so he fell asleep. He said to her before he went to sleep, stand in the doorway of the tent. If someone comes by and asks you, is anyone in there, say no. But Jael, Heber's wife, picked up a tent peg and a hammer and went quietly to him while he lay fast asleep, exhausted. She drove the peg through his temple into the ground and he died. Deborah's prophecy was correct. God would give the victory to a woman, Jael. On that day, God subdued Jabin, king of Canaan, before the Israelites, and the hand of the Israelites pressed harder and harder against Jabin, king of Canaan, until they destroyed him. Uh, Deborah made the difference in Israel. 
one person made a difference. Like Deborah, you may feel like the world is out of control. You know, stuff's going on in your life, and there's nothing you can do to stop it. Don't believe that. You can make a difference. Let me highlight two ways you can make a difference. First, you can make a difference as a woman. I don't want to make this point just to women, but to everyone. Women aren't always heads of state and CEOs of companies. Sometimes they are. But there's no doubt they wield influence in the world. Sir, said a timid employee, my wife tells me to ask you for a raise. The employer said, fine, I'll ask my wife if I can give you one. Some people criticize Christian faith and the Bible for subjugating women to a lower place than men. When the subject comes up, it's helpful to ask people, what culture, what nation in the world do you think best lifts up women, empowers them in terms of education and economic status? It's obvious that in Afghanistan, women are second-class citizens. In fact, in most Muslim countries, women struggle to achieve educational and economic up- upward mobility. In India, women have been set on fire for having insufficient dowries. It's obvious that the Christian context is better for empowering women than Muslim and Hindu cultures. And of course, the once popular view that communism lifts up people lifts up the oppressed, is rarely advocated anymore. Two women who serve as a source of inspiration and hope are Aung San Suu Kyi, political dissident within the fundamentalist Buddhist country Miramar, and Indira Gandhi of India. It's no coincidence that both of them had fathers who grew up in Christian-founded, were educated at Christian-founded universities. And both of them were educated at the same university, Oxford, in England. It's not a coincidence that two women who have grown up in cultures where it's thought that women are not capable or qualified to lead, both emerged as leaders in this century as a result of the influence of Christianity. Then we have all the women in the Bible who led in a patriarchal culture. There's Deborah, we've just read about. Miriam is the sister of Moses, helped lead the people out of Egypt and taught the people in the desert wilderness. There's Esther, who led the people in Persia. There's Hannah. When Jesus was born, she was a prophetess. She had great influence in Israel. There's Mary, the mother of Jesus, obviously. She had influence uh, with, with other people in the early church. Uh, there's women discovering the empty tomb. Women who couldn't even testify in a court of law are the ones who discovered the resurrected Christ. There's Priscilla, a teacher in the New Testament church. And then the Apostle Paul writes, For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, 
neither slave nor free. There's not racism in the Bible, nor is there male and female. He makes all people equal before God, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. To say that Christian faith holds women back from God is to show ignorance. No one in the history of the world has elevated women more than Jesus. He leveled the playing field for all people. Let me mention one more woman who's making a a difference. Danita Travis. She's probably not a name that you recognize, but she is working in a place where others have long since concluded there's no hope. Thanks to her vision and leadership, children and families' lives are being changed in the inner city of Chicago. The hope of the gospel is penetrating the most drug-infested, crime-ridden neighborhoods where 85% of the children grow up without a father in the home. The gospel is being implanted in these neighborhoods thanks to her leadership. A few years ago, Danita asked God, what do you want me to do with the rest of my life? And God put on her mind children. She's always had a love for children. And so she went and signed up at her church, Moody Church, to help with the children's ministry. Soon she began a ministry that became known as By the Hand Club for Kids a program that serves the most under-resourced children in Chicago. She teaches them uh, how to read and hone their other skills and become followers of Christ. The program has been so successful, it serves 1,000 children with a budget of $5 million. It's done so well that it's caught the attention of the mayor and Chicago's school board. Through her faith, And leadership, Danita, has found that shining a light in a dark place is more effective than cursing the darkness. Ladies, you may find situations where you have to work harder as a woman to make a difference in the world, but you're not being held back by God. All people are equal before God at the cross of Christ. Like Danita, you can make a difference. Ask God what He wants to do in your life. Listen to Him and then go for it. And men, remember that the Bible and Jesus lift up women more than any other ideology in history. Second, your biggest contribution to the world will come through your faith in Jesus Christ and through the work of the church. Deborah did not set out to save Israel on her own power. Deborah said to Barak, Go, this is the day the Lord has given Caesarea into your hands. Has not the Lord gone ahead of you? She knew that God was leading them. God was giving them the victory. We must never get out ahead of God. The Apostle Paul says, not that we are competent in ourselves to claim anything for ourselves, but our competence comes from God. Jesus Christ is the hope of the world. That's what we have to offer people. You may not feel particularly hopeful today, 
You may feel hopeless for our country, but never give up. We know that Jesus Christ and the church is the hope of the world. You may wonder why more people and more churches didn't stand up against Hitler. Some pastors did. Many of them were jailed, put to death. Two of the most famous ones you know, probably know, are Martin Niemöller and Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Look at the words of Adolf Hitler, exiled from Germany because he was a Jew. Being a lover of freedom, when the Nazi revolution came, I looked to the universities to defend it, knowing that they had always boasted of their devotion to the cause of truth. But no, the universities took refuge in silence. Then I looked to the great editors of the newspapers whose flaming editorials in days gone by had proclaimed their love of freedom. But they, like the universities, were silenced in a few short weeks. I then addressed myself to the authors, to those who had passed themselves off as the intellectual guides of Germany, and among whom was frequently discussed the question of freedom and its place in modern life. They are, in turn, very dumb. They were silent. Only the church stood squarely across the path of Hitler's campaign for suppressing the truth. I never had any special interest in the church before, but now I feel a great affection and admiration for it because the church alone has had the courage and persistence to stand for intellectual truth and moral freedom. I am forced to confess that what I once despised, I now praise unreservedly. The church of Jesus Christ is the hope of the world. Jesus Christ and the church will gain the final victory. So do what you can to serve God where he's placed you. You can make a difference. Give your life to Christ if you've never done so. For he can make a difference through you in this world. Father, we thank you for Deborah who listened to you and by your power helped save Israel from their enemies. And we want to be like her. We want to be used by you. We want to make a difference in this world. I want to invite you to pray right now. Tell God you want to make a difference and you want to depend on him. And if you've never invited Christ into your life, tell him you believe he was raised from the dead and you want him to be Lord in your life, you pray. Father, thank you for your power and that we can make a difference in this world. We may be facing a situation where we feel hopeless, but we depend on you to help us make a difference. In Jesus' name we pray.